podcast that brings you conversations that are critical to managing and governing condos, cooperatives, and homeowner associations. I'm your host, Tony Campisi, Executive Director of the Keystone Chapter of Community Associations Institute. Tune in each episode for the insights and information that are key to inspiring professionalism, effective leadership, and responsible citizenship ideals reflected in community associations that are preferred places to call home. Today's topic is all about electronic meetings and electronic voting in community associations. This form of meeting and voting has ramped up significantly in community associations the last few years and increased participation among homeowners. We'll talk about why communities should consider e-voting and answer all your questions on this important topic. My guests for this episode are Kathy Slight with Vote HOA Now and Matt Collins Esquire with Horn Williamson. Before we get to our topic today, here's a brief word from our sponsor, Hoffman Law, LLC. I'm Ed Hoffman with Hoffman Law, LLC. Hoffman Law, LLC is a recognized leader in community association law. We're known for our responsiveness, legal acumen, leadership in the association industry, and our unwavering focus and commitment to education. You can learn more about us at our website, hoffmanhoalaw.com. Hoffman Law LLC is proud to sponsor this episode of the Community Matters Podcast. Kathy and Matt, welcome to Community Matters Podcast, and why don't you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves. Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me today and Matt. Um, Kathy Slight with Vote HOA Now. Thanks for having me today. I not only am I the voting expert, I was a prior manager for 12 years and carried a portfolio of 27 associations, a little background about me. So I do see both sides and bring a unique perspective to the sales and management team here at Vote HOA Now. Thanks, Tony. Uh, yeah, Matt Collins. I am a partner at the law firm of Horn Williamson, where I chair the community association practice group. We represent community associations across Pennsylvania, uh, as far west as uh, Allegheny County, uh, concentrated in Philadelphia, the five counties, and we go as uh, far north as uh, the Poconos. And so we have seen you know, many different election uh, scenarios and are really excited today to talk about um, electronic voting and uh, some of the more recent amendments to the community association statutes that have allowed some of these great changes to happen. Great. Well, it's it's great to see both of you again. For our listeners, um, we, uh, Matt and Kathy, uh, covered this topic in an in-person event, our State of the Industry Breakfast in Philadelphia just a few weeks ago. So um, we're going to revisit the topic for those who couldn't be at that event. And let's, I guess, start with the obvious question. Why should communities consider electronic voting? It's really to reduce problems, uh, if I could put it succinctly. We, you know, as an attorney, you know, I'm often called when things go wrong. You know, I I, I don't normally see when things go right, right? Because they don't. <laughs> They don't need me at that juncture. And voting um, is among one of the events where 
there is a potential for many things to go wrong. And it also tends to have a lot of curious eyes peering over the shoulder and you know, a, a additional scrutiny that you don't otherwise have with other events conducted by your community association, which these are often done by volunteers. And anytime that you can have a third party uh, trained in that particular skill to handle, all the better. And um, also with electronic voting, you tend to get a lot more uh, participation. We've seen a, amazing trends in um, getting quorum, but also just having voter participation that that we didn't see, uh, you know, prior to COVID. Yeah, I agree, Matt. You know, uh, that's why we pride ourselves on our third party separation, meaning that we're protecting, you know, or at least putting a layer of privacy between the manager, the board members, the committee members who, you know, as we all know, are trying their hardest to do the right thing. But uh, being a manager is hard enough. And then, you know, being an election expert as well, uh, it's nice for managers to have those services available and turn to that election or membership vote or amendment or whatever it is over to a third party provider that can really use all of the tools available to help them be successful. So Kathy, you mentioned third party. What does third party really mean in the context of electronic voting? Right. It means simply that, you know, you're uh, engaging us to run your vote for you. Uh, We build your ballots. We set all the parameters. We ask you questions about your governing documents, what they say. We're looking to the state statutes to find our guidance. Um, you know, we're working together to make sure we've got all the options on the ballot that we need and everything looks good. Uh, we're going to run and manage that vote for you. You are never going to be able to see how anyone voted or how any one lot voted or who's winning, um, you know, which is kind of a lay- a nice layer for a manager to have. They can only say, gosh, you know, we hired a third party to run this vote for us. All we know is we met quorum last Tuesday and we're excited to, uh, you know, see you at the meeting. We have over a 95% success rate at reaching quorum before the meeting for our clients. There's uh, there's lots of online platforms that can provide this type of service to community associations. Why choose a specialist that's in the community association field? I guess, Kathy, I'll direct that to you. Yeah, having an industry specialist in any field, uh, depending if you're insurance, banking, you know, any of these, uh, you're looking to these industry professionals to provide the latest and greatest information to you and your community. So there is value in uh, partnering with an industry specialist. Anything else, Matt, on that? Well, it's context. Uh, so you know, an industry specialist um, will be aware of maybe some of the variables that could occur, you know, at a at an election with, with a community association. So, for example, nominations from the floor. Now, that can occur, you know, in many different organizations. But typically, you see that, though, if it's going to happen, it's going to be at the community association level. And there's just some idiosyncrasies that, again, occur you know, in our community associations. And for those of us who work in this space, you know, we know, you know, again, there are some uh, unique qualities, you know, that um, 
that can come up on occasion. If you have someone who, who has seen these before or are aware of them, you can really smooth out the bumps uh, that may occur when you're having one of these one of these elections or running one of these votes. Matt, you mentioned nominations from the floor. How does that process work in an online voting situation or an online meeting situation? Well, I'll, I'll just begin and I'll let Kathy handle the, the mechanics of it. But, you know, I brought that up, but generally speaking, it's it's going to largely be a moot point if you're going to have electronic voting. Um, you're going to have a deadline uh, to submit your ballots electronically that's going to take place prior to that meeting. And for a lot of people, uh, that might be how they participate. They don't show up at that meeting. And because they they in their head of, hey, I participated by submitting my vote. And so by the time somebody would get that nomination from the floor, in many cases, the majority of the votes have already been cast. And so even though you have to go through the process of recognizing it and uh, allowing it to happen, for all intents and purposes, it's likely going to be a non-event. Now, you know, I, I can't make a blanket statement. You know, there could be situations where that where that does occur, and I'm, I know um, you know Kathy uh, has handled that, and her her organization you know is equipped to handle that. Yeah, I'd add to what Matt said. Uh, those nominations from from the floor. You know, I'd recommend having a good call for candidates period and say clearly that you know, in order to be considered on the electronic or the paper ballot, you must get your information in by the due date. That is the best way to run for the board. But you know, we see associations that still go into their annual meeting that still have a position or two open. You know, that's a great time to look at nominations from the floor. Uh, we'd always recommend that those candidates even nominated from the floor go through that same process that the other candidates to, did to make sure they're an owner of record. They have the ability to serve on the board. You know, they're on a deed or a member or whatever the doc governing documents are providing for that nominee from the floor. Um, appointing that person at the next meeting is, I think, is the best because they only serve for that year. And then if he, they do a great job, they can be elected during the next cycle. So there's a couple, you know, of reasons why, you know, nominations from the floor could be important and what uh, you should, you know, clearly state what the process is going to be for any nominations from the floor if it happens. And a lot of times your documents uh, say that if you have a good call for candidates period, then you can waive that nomination from the floor. So Matt probably has a thought on that too. Yeah, and that's that's a document by document, you know, kind of kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And I'm referring to governing documents. And so, yes, if we see a, you know an opening to avoid nominations from the floor, we try to take it, just because you know it, it can um, cause some unnecessary you know confusion, which again often doesn't amount to much because most of the most of the ballots have been submitted already. Let's go back to the uh, the platforms that are out there. What are the different service level choices when it comes to electronic voting platforms? Yeah, I love talking about this. Um, you know, there are three different levels that we look at. Uh, there is the full service setup and management level, which is the one where you're partnering with a vendor to run and manage that entire vote for you, rather it's an election, a membership vote, an amendment vote, uh, whatever it is, they are going to run and manage it 
produce the final report and stand behind their process and the report that they provide to you. Now, the other two are fairly similar, uh, self-service and now, of course, the, you know, add-on property management software voting capability, which a lot of companies are looking at. And, you know, it, I always say there's 100% risk in that. Uh, you know, it's it may look great, it's cost effective, uh, but you really are putting 100% of the risk and responsibility on the manager, the board, and any committee that might be setting up that vote or looking at confidential information or might be able to access or see tallies before the vote is over. So you really need to decide what level of service that you want to have and, and who you want involved in that vote. And if it were me, I would remove the manager, the board member and the committee members and, and ask a third party to run that vote for me. One thing I want to add here too is, so <clears throat> there's been a lot of talk about in Pennsylvania, uh, the recent amendments to the, to the uh, community association statutes, Act 115 or House Bill 1795, however you refer to it, and one of the requirements now is for associations with at least 500 units, they have to, the votes must be submitted to an independent reviewer. And among the, an independent reviewer uh, can, must be either a, an attorney licensed in the state, a licensed CPA, or a vote management system. And, and I, the vote management system is you know, defined as a third-party vendor who operates a digital or subscription service that securely manages the conduct of elections and voting procedures. And so if you're thinking of hiring a vendor for this service, you might as well um, hire a vendor who fits this criteria because now, now you have this independent reviewer. And then if, you're, and if you are an association with 500 plus units, then you have to. Um, it would be kind of silly to get a third party that doesn't qualify for this and then hire an attorney or a CPA on top of that. You'd just be spending a whole lot, lot of money there. So just wanted to mention that you're, you're hitting that statutory requirement um, when you're getting a certain level of service from a, a third party management system, the voting management system. Yeah. Sorry. And so one other thing I, I would add to that, Matt, is that, you know, the association does have the ability to say, okay, thanks for running this vote, third party provider. We would like our final report to be sent to our CPA or our attorney, and they are going to bring that to the meeting with them. So it really could be completely hands off for the manager and the community. And that would be kind of the end, you know, result of the electronic voting. So we would just see that happen quite a bit as well. So what does it mean when you say no more paper proxies or ballots? Uh, you know, that's my favorite saying. Uh, you know, I say no more proxies because uh, I think that in the past, you know, proxies have been our best tool in order to achieve quorum at meetings. Uh, and we've seen people run door to door, knocking, you know, getting proxies and going through a lot more steps to achieve quorum at their meeting. Uh, nowhere proxies means simply that uh, owners are taking responsibility of their own vote. They are reviewing the information carefully. They're making their selections. They're submitting their ballots. And we're seeing that need for them to give their vote 
someone else going away. And over time, you know, it, you still have to offer a paper ballot or a paper paper proxy. But we find that it is it does not uh, it's not a huge impact on the electronic ballots that we receive. So my next question is about documents, and and I want to. I want to ask a follow-up to the, the proxies issue too, but in, uh, generically, what about association documents that might not be clear on electronic voting? Can they still use it? And regarding proxies, if proxies are spelled out that you have to use them in your bylaws, do you still have to, how do you, how do you get around that issue? I guess that might be a question for Matt, but either one of you jump in. Sure. So with the, you know, with the Uniform Planning Community Act, um, you know, the, the, in the Condo Act, uh, the Cooperative Act, most of those, I shouldn't say most of those, all of those statutes are what we refer to primarily as gap filler, where there are the majority of the provisions in those statutes fill in the gaps if your governing documents don't address it. Um, now, there are some provisions of these acts that say, hey, we don't care what your docs say, this is how it is. But many of the sections will say, unless your declaration or unless your bylaws say otherwise, then this, you know, then this is how it is. With um, Act 115, House Bill 1795, with respect to methods of voting, uh, the language is, you know, unless, it, unless your governing documents prohibit, expressly prohibit it, the methods of voting that are permitted are in-person, proxy at a meeting, absentee ballot, electronic ballot, or any other methods provided for in your in your governing documents. And, and so uh, if your documents do not address it, then, then you really have a clear path uh, to adopting an electronic uh, voting process you know, for, for your community. Yeah. And adding on to that, you know, yes, some documents do still say that, you know, you must vote by proxy. And in that case, you know, it might be a directed proxy, which is where you're, you know, giving your authority for quorum for the annual meeting and you're making your selections on your ballot. And so we see uh, directed proxies used quite often if that is a document requirement as well. Another uh, language you'll often see, though, too, if, if there is a requirement, it will say, hey, you have to have this. You, you don't see language often that will say this is the exclusive means or method of voting. And so you can, as long as you're still honoring your document, or your, your bylaw, or your, your bylaws, or your declaration, oftentimes it's not frowned upon if you're adding another way of voting. So long as you're not adopting a procedure that's going to effectively result in an amendment to your to your bylaws or your deck. So you can, in those instances where we have that language, we would be doing both. And it would be very hard, I think, for a court to fault an association for opening up another avenue for people to express their vote and to make it easier for them. And again, I've yet to see a governing doc that says this is the only method of, of voting. And we have, haven't had a problem um, ha a, you know, having both methods available because there are people who are 
you know, they are old school. You know, they want to come to the meeting. They want to vote in person. And that's great. And um, there's a lot of people, though, who would rather just submit it. And if they can make the meeting, great. But they don't feel compelled uh, to attend that meeting. Uh, so th that that's an issue, again, that we've not had any, any problems with in execution. So how and when should a community association involve legal representation in this whole process? Early and often. No. <laughs> just, As the just, attorney. just kidding. So a, a good idea, if you have not done it yet, uh, it, it would be wise to have your attorney look at your governing documents and just see how they line up with Act 115. <clears throat> there may be, uh, for there was a lot of instances with a lot of our clients where they were in conflict with uh, Act 115 and we were able to do some corrective amendments but there's a lot of communities that don't realize, hey, our, our docs don't address this issue. So now we're allowed to take advantage of the, of Act 115. And just to go back to Act 115, this law was in the making for quite some time, and it had the benefit of COVID. And during that time, a lot of the attorneys and board members were starting to do these remote meet meetings out of necessity. And after COVID went away, we didn't want to go back to the to the uh, to how it was previous because we we saw how participation just skyrocketed, and some of those items were put into this Act 115. <laughs> and so that that's what, what I would recommend, Tony. And that's probably just a one off. You have your attorney look at it and tell you, hey, here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. Here's an amendment that you must do. Here's an amendment that um, you should do. Have that discussion. And then it's kind of set it and forget it. So one of the common issues that we hear about in community associations often is the inability to recruit volunteers. What happens in an electronic meeting or vote process where there's just no candidates? Yes, I talked about this at the breakfast and, you know, it does happen. Uh, so there's two things going on there. You know, one, we still have to establish quorum for the meeting. And two, we're still looking for a few good candidates to raise their hand and, and you know, nominate themselves. So clearly the call for candidates period did not produce any good candidates or, you know, they weren't uh, ready to put their name on the line. Uh, oftentimes we'll, we'll run a ballot with three write-in spaces if there's three positions and encourage people to volunteer, maybe explain a little bit more about the positions and what their responsibilities will be. And, you know, say that, you know, we can't, we can't function as a community or a corporation without having a board of directors and we need someone to represent us. And sometimes just a little more explaining, we'll get a few candidates to submit their names and, um, you know, other people who are voting can't see those writing candidates. So oftentimes it does come down to what happens at that annual meeting when they're looking at those candidates and, and um, you know, it might come down to a raise your hand vote. I don't know how, how what Matt's experience is, but, you know, that's what I've heard. We have no candidates. We get to the meeting. We have a few write-ins. They accept the nomination and they move forward. So that that's kind of like a, you know, maybe less than 5% situation. What do you think, Matt? I've gotten very close to the brink of not having any you know, anyone willing to serve on the board. And 
We've done a, you know, the, the two methods that appear to be the most effective are, uh, you know, I guess you'd call it, you know, grassroots or door knocking of, hey, here's the situation. And we've had other um, scenarios where we've had to contemplate, you know, getting a receiver appointed. And then once a community understands what that means and, and the expense associated with it, it's amazing the interest now that you get, you know, at the board level. What often happens is, you know, you'll have those board members or some at least stay on and they get on, you know, by acclamation, you know, no one is, there's really not a vote because no one is there to oppose them. <clears throat> and then, you know, we continued kind of the door knocking indicating, Hey, we, we really need people here. Uh, and that, <clears throat> that does, um, that hasn't been an issue in the past. I want to say for me personally in the past couple of years, but uh, there have been periods of time where it just seems where apathy reaches a real zenith and, and we have these issues. Another uh, situation somewhat common that we hear about is uh, document amendment votes that are literally open for a year in order to give time to reach quorum. How does e-voting help this situation? Um, you know, yes, document amendments are always the higher quorum. They could be 65% or over, and it depends on exactly what they're voting on. The, the reason that, you know, uh, amendments are so successful electronically is because we are able to send an invitation to vote more frequently or a reminder uh, asking people to vote, to look at the information and submit their ballot more often than you can reach them by paper. So that is the reason they're so successful electronically. Uh, the other reason is, you know, we're getting more and more tools in the marketplace to help owners understand how important these amendment votes are, the membership votes, you know, any kind of item vote really. And uh, any board who is contemplating doing this that wants to avoid the door knocking situation, you know, or years and years of, you know, talking about it and finally bringing it to a vote should consider recording a video and talking talking about all the reasons why they got to this point to look at the amendment or membership vote uh, and what the impact of a yes vote is and what the impact of a no vote is and use some of those newer tools to reach their audience along with a town hall meeting or a Q&A or any other way that they can, you know, kind of embrace their community and ask them to vote in this important matter. Yeah, we packaged it once where there was a quick little uh, recording that was explaining very, very quickly um, what the, I shouldn't say quickly, but very plainly and succinctly what the issue was that was being asked to vote on. Again, the assumption that no one was going to read anything. And then that link had that and it also had the documents. <clears throat> and this uh, the, the vendor we were working with also was able to automate when the people would be pinged uh, as a reminder, like, hey, we still haven't got your vote. So it's an automatic nudging that was very effective. You didn't, you know, the, it was, again, this set it and forget it kind of concept uh, that was really effective <clears throat> as opposed to because the olden days, right, you'd send a big packet of stuff. You, you know, you wondered if, um, you know, 10% of the people actually read, you know, what was uh, what was in there and if they even opened the envelope. But how do you then nudge them? You know, you're going to spend all that money on postage. And so that's what's really nice about these um, 
electronic voting and you're getting real-time results to the association of, hey, where are you with um, getting, getting this amendment passed? And then maybe that can inform your team, okay, maybe we need to get the message out again. Maybe we do a meeting. It, it just made the process a lot smoother. I was really impressed uh, with uh, the last time I was involved with one of these where we used a um, electronic voting system. Let's talk a little bit about the results of an election or a vote. First of all, first question, who can see the results of the vote? If you're having an election, no one should be able to see the results of the vote until the final report is produced and announced at the meeting. Uh, that is, you know, the value of a third party separation. No one accidentally gets to see who's winning or who's ahead or they can't help anyone. Uh, and probably more of the risk of the self-service uh, models, you know, where they are, they can look at things on a day-to-day -day basis. So make sure that you're, you know, preparing yourself, you know, not to look, not to peek uh, and only find out where you're at with quorum. And, and if you're if you fall into the category of, of a community with um, you know, 500 or more units, uh, you, know, you are required. You have to present the official election reports that or certified by the independent reviewer. <clears throat> and they, they have to be uh, presented at a meeting of the unit owners and the results um, have to be entered you know, in, in the meeting records as well. The biggest thing we forget about, the meeting records, the meeting minutes, uh, don't forget to memorialize everything that happened at your annual meeting, or not everything, but the most important things in those meeting minutes. I talked a little bit about that at the breakfast where, you know, I always say it's a good day to start doing the right thing. What if there's a tie? How do you handle that? We yes, we had that question at the breakfast, and that was such a great question. Um, in in fact, we're going to add it to our presentation because it was so great. But uh, you know, in a tie vote, uh, you know, oftentimes it depends on for what position. Uh, oftentimes, a candidate will step down if there's a tie vote. Uh, but if there is a true tie vote and you want to have a runoff, it would just simply mean that there might be another runoff for those two positions. And it could be one and two. It could most likely could be three and four. Um, but in most cases, you know, one of those candidates will choose to step down or you would have to run another vote. Or there may be a process in your documents that talks about exactly what you should do with the tie vote. And that could happen that evening. So make sure that you're looking for all that information before you get to your meeting so you know exactly what to do. Yeah, it's typically a runoff and um, it's not that um, exotic. Uh, you know, as, as it sounds when there's a tie and, and the same concepts for a runoff apply, do apply nicely if you're using an electronic uh, voting platform. We've covered a lot in this uh, in this podcast. So any final thoughts? I have some final thoughts, of course, you know, uh, adding another layer of professionals to your, you know, inventory of your landscapers, your attorneys, all the people that you really value and trust, you know, your electronic voting company can be that person as well. Uh, there is a lot of value. We are reaching, you know, more and more owners in your association and they're becoming involved and there's always value there. So, uh, and, and saving money and time 
and you know using those, that process for any uh, other membership votes or votes that you might have in your community. Yeah, this kind of falls under the ounce of prevention, you know, being worth a pound of cure when I look at this. Uh, so, you know, number one, you know, being a board member and a manager is stressful enough. And you know, allowing both of those groups to be able to kind of offset the stress of, of an election, it was great. And they can focus on other tasks at hand and, and they don't have you know, that level of scrutiny that you otherwise have. And I've been involved in some very contentious challenges and the audit trails that electronic voting management systems provide really allow you to, to cut through those disputes relatively quickly and allow you to also save a fair amount of attorney's fees on the back end if, if you're having, if you think there might be some sort of dispute or challenge. And so, and finally, in addition to um, managing your risk, I can't stress enough how much this really improves your participation by your owners when when you're making it easy for them to vote and vote in a way that you know they're doing everything else in their lives with their you know on their phone on their tablet you know or, or with their computer. Well, this was a great episode of Community Matters. Thank you both for joining me today to share your insights on electronic voting and how this topic is impacting the management and governance of community associations. I know that this information is going to be helpful and useful to our listeners. And thank you for tuning in to Community Matters. We're glad to have your attention for a short time. Thanks once more to the sponsor of Community Matters podcast, Hoffman Law LLC. Find them on the web at hoffmanhoalaw.com. Interested in being a guest on an upcoming episode of Community Matters? Reach out to me at Tony, T-O-N-Y, at caikeystone.org. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get notifications every time we post a new episode. And please be sure to share the podcast with your colleagues and friends. For more resources and best practices on managing and governing your condominium, cooperative, or homeowners association, please contact CAI or visit our website at www.caikeystone.org. Thanks again for listening.